worship. If you are watching online, good morning. We are so glad you are here this morning. Why don't y'all stand with us as we begin our worship?
Y'all can be seated for just a few minutes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. He is good. We've got just a few announcements this morning, and then we will take up our offering. We've got several out that are traveling. Praise God for family and for getting time to spend with your family and people coming and going. So if you're watching online and you're traveling, we can't wait to have you back. Be safe. Coming up next week, we've got uh, December 31st, our New Year's Eve youth lock-in. Yes. Everyone is welcome from 8 o'clock to 12 a.m., and then if you've got a kiddo that's staying after 12 a.m., it is going to be $5 per kiddo staying overnight. You can see Paige and Billy or contact the uh, front office for more information about that. You can also look at your bulletin and get some more information. The office will be closed on uh, December 31st. And then starting our new year on January the 9th, we will have a children's ministry luncheon that'll be right after worship and lunch is provided. This is for anyone that's interested in participating in our children's ministry and um, all the things that will be happening in the new year regarding that. So again, this is in your bulletin and you can um, see um, either myself or call the front office for more information about that. Also starting next Sunday, we'll start the Awake 21. This is where several, several churches around our area are participating in 21 days. And we'll have a minister from, um, um, the name leaves my mind, but the schedules in the foyer, we'll have someone come here for Sunday. And then our church will be going to uh, Tuckalichi Chapel on uh, January, I think it's the 12th. Kirsten, am I incorrect on that? The schedule is in the foyer. Don't don't hold me to that. I might be wrong on the date on that. So look at your bulletin. Um, there it is. The pastor will be preaching at Tuckalichi Chapel on January 12th. So our church will be going to Tuckalichi on that Sunday. All right. All right, ushers, if you guys and gals are ready. Hallelujah. We're going to continue our worship and our giving this morning. He is worthy. Amen. He is worthy of all. Hallelujah. Father God, I just thank you this morning for your grace, for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for your blessings, Father. Lord, I ask that you will just bless us today, Lord. Touch this offering, Lord. Press it down. Let it multiply and meet every single need, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.
if the Lord tarries and we are meeting again next week, we will be in 2022, and I am excited to see what God has in store for Alcoa Maribel in 2022. But regardless, we will praise Him and we will lift Him up because He is worthy in 1990 and He's worthy in 2022. Amen.
Jesus. Hallelujah. I am so thankful to be leaving 2021, going into 2022, saying that I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is constant. He is never changing. He is yesterday, today, and he will be forevermore. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. We praise you this morning. We lift you up, Father. Hallelujah. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to speak. Jesus, till every dark addiction starts to break, declaring there is hope and there is freedom, I speak Jesus, oh, because your name, your name is power, your name Your name is power, your name 
Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name of Jesus. Lead me back. 
Worship him. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Friend, isn't it wonderful to know he's our friend? You may be seated. Thank you all. Aren't we blessed? Aren't we blessed to have people who come and they give their all? I said something to the, I don't know everybody's name, please forgive me. But the young lady who plays the piano for us this morning, I said, you know, I love to watch you play. Because it's like the music is in you. It's all throughout what you do. And I can say that about many of our worship team up here. Aren't we thankful? Well, if you came expecting to see Pastor Paul, I apologize. I'm not Pastor Paul. I can't pull off the blue jeans and all that young hip look that he has. If you came here looking for the children's play, I'm apologizing to you because I'm not the children's play. But if you came here to hear the word of God, I'm not apologizing to you about that because that's why we're here. And in fact, I'm going to share something with you. My name's Will, by the way. I'm Will Witty. You probably better know me as Bill and Debbie's son or Leela and Adian Bennett's dad or Lauren's husband or, yeah, that guy over there. I'm so thankful. I'm blessed, and I appreciate Pastor Paul being willing to give me the opportunity to share with you this morning. I'm going to tell you something. I've been a minister of the gospel for a long time. God put the call of the ministry all my life when I was 12 years old. And what I'm going to do this morning, I can tell you, I don't think I've ever done for the good, the bad, or whatever. I want to take my text from a place that probably all of you have memorized. 
would you believe in the almost 30 years of ministry, I've never made John 3.16 the primary text of a sermon? Now, that shocked me as I thought about that. Now, we all know that verse, right? Pretty simple. I think she's going to show it on the board. John 3.16. So simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Really simple. Since you all don't know me a great deal, and since I haven't had the opportunity to share with you a little bit, I'll tell you a little bit about my background. When God called me into the ministry, I thought I was going to be the pastor of a small country church, and guess what? Turns out at one point I was. I never imagined necessarily, though, that God was going to send me to the country of Japan. And I was there ministering, and on one particular occasion, I decided... I wanted not to be so shy and not to be so afraid of what I was sharing when I was teaching English to teach the gospel. Now, I was teaching a bunch of kids. They were little tiny kids. These kids ranged from probably about three to about, I don't know, five years old. And I was teaching them English. And I decided to teach them using the story of creation. And so I said to them, I said, let me tell you the story. And I drew the sun, and we learned the word sun. We learned the word moon and other English words. And then I thought, I'm going to step out here. I'm going to tell them a little bit about Jesus. And I said, do you know who made the sun? And I said... The maker, I was trying to think of a name that I could use, you know. The maker made the sun. And do you know who made the moon? Because Jesus, God's the maker of all things, right? Also, I was chicken. I said, you know, the maker made the moon and the stars. And one of the little boys raised his hands and he said, Sensei Usotsuki. You're a liar. He said, God made the sun, the moon, and the stars. Even in their own world, their own culture, they did not deny. Now, maybe they don't believe in the same God, the omnipotent God that we believe, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I took it seriously, and I had another opportunity. I'm going to ask Kirsten to show something on the board, and I'm going to ask you if you all will just suspend disbelief for a moment and participate with me. If you don't participate, it's going to make it really, really short because it's hard for me to do both sides of the story. All right, so you can already tell. We can tell that these are some Chinese, Japanese characters, right? Okay, that's good. But I want you to set that aside for a moment, and I want you to look at that. What are some things that you see, just yell it out or say it loudly, what are some things that if you were just looking at it as a kid's drawing or my arcane caveman style artwork, stick figure style here, what are some things that you might see in that picture? Can anybody tell me? You see a cross? Someone sees a person? A house? A church? A tree? 
I hear people say human, I hear a cross, I hear a tree, I hear a person, I hear a house, a manger. Did somebody, a what? A you? <laughs> I heard UT, okay, there we go. All right, everything goes back to Rocky Top in East Tennessee, doesn't it? All right, so, all right, yeah, you guys pulled it out. Now, maybe if you were just working with me a little bit, you might be able to say that you see a present sitting on top of a house, potentially right? I heard someone say a cross, and if you look closely, you might even see three crosses, right? That's funny, because when that was designed and when those two words were put together, none of those thoughts were in this conversation. But I want to go back to our text for just a moment. For God so loved the world, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Why do I say that? And why? Oh, there's the words. I missed my picture. Those are words, and yet I want you to, interestingly enough, see something with me for a moment. I thought, you know, when it came to today, well, I can't preach a Christmas message. Christmas was yesterday. I can't preach a New Year's message because that's too close to next weekend. And I was trying to think of something so profound. And God kept putting these two images back in my mind. And he said, it doesn't, well, he didn't say this to me, but it gave me a sense that, you know, it doesn't have to be profound. Just tell the story. Why do I tell you that? Is because you remember when I told you about the little kids and how I tried to be all, you know, dynamic and tell them about who God was and I still hide behind the words, right? Well, I also had an opportunity to teach these older gentlemen. They were quite up in age. As a matter of fact, the things that they knew about Tennessee, they would tell me, oh, Jack Daniels, Dolly Parton, and the Tennessee Waltz. Those were the things that they knew about East Tennessee. How interesting. But I thought, you know what? Here it is. It is Christmas. I want to give them the gospel. I don't know where I saw this first. I don't think it came with me. But I borrowed from it some, and I began to work on this. And I began to write out these words in Japanese. This is the word seikai. And I drew the first line, and I drew the down line, so the center cross you see. And I said, it all starts here. And then I drew the cross on the other side and put the ground that joins the two. And then ultimately, the down line and over a cross, and you see the much larger cross, right? Now, interesting, when we think about the cross, we think about Easter, don't we? To me, that first image, when I put it with the next image, I told them, I said, I want you to think about these for a moment, but I want to talk about a present. I drew the top square, okay? And the present came in the form of a baby born in a manger. Let me draw the little house. Easter and Christmas intrinsically tied together. 
Now let me tell you, and let me read this to you one more time. For God so loved the Sekai that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's the word world. The entire message of the gospel, interesting, hidden in the language. Guess what? In the imagination, in the mind of some people, to be able to go and to say, God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son in a manger that he might die on a cross for you and me. Now, honestly, I don't know why I've never preached specifically from John 3.16. But when I do preach, I try to look at the text and like to look what's around this text. And what I find interesting is that part of John 3.16 is mentioned in John 3.15. It says, And Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the verses beforehand. And being the person that I am, I can't stand not to dig into something and try to figure out and understand, well, why in the world is that there? And you know, the thing that I find so much amazing and interesting is this. The, the main point I want to share with you this morning is just simply this, the story of love. John 3.16, it says that for God so loved the world. But the thing I found interesting was that the story, the verse that we all know, we all love, that children learn to quote before they learn to tell any other verse of the Bible, probably. And guess what? It's that message to the world. We all agree? But it wasn't given to the world. It was given to a man at night in private. You ever thought about that? It says, a man named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, came to Jesus by night. Do we remember the story now? And Jesus talked to Nicodemus, and he began to, he began to say to him, here's what you need. You want to be born again. You must be born of not just the water, but of the Spirit, right? Do you remember that? He came to him by night. Probably, I've heard a lot of reasons and understandings. I don't know for sure. But maybe it wasn't so that he was so much afraid of being known to be with Jesus as much as he thought, well, if I go at night, nobody else will be there and I can actually talk to him. He comes to Jesus and Jesus begins to talk to him about the need for him to be Filled with the Spirit of God for him to be born again. It freaks him out. I know it freaks him out because the Bible says so. Jesus looked at him like, why are you so astonished? He must have looked astonished. And he began to tell him, you must be born again. Now, 
maybe that was such a little bit of a, a stretch for Nicodemus. I can imagine Nicodemus thinking, well, hey, why? I'm a Pharisee. I keep the law. I do what needs to be done. John 3, 16 doesn't stand just all in some empty space. Jesus knew who he was talking to. The story of love is personal. And in this case, it was extremely personal. The story of love considers who you are in your past and finds a way to get the message to you. And in this case, Jesus did something rather interesting. He told Nicodemus a story, and I'm not, it's, it's up on the board here in a minute probably, but I'm going to read to you from Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. They journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go to the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way, and the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For as there is no food or water, and our souls loathe this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses, and they said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against, against you. Pray the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it shall be for everyone who is bitten. When he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if the if a serpent had bitten anyone. When he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Interesting. The gospel message, the story of love, is personal. And it will, God will do whatever it takes to let you know that it belongs to you. And in this case, he went to a man, a Pharisee, someone who follows the law, a devout person who apparently wants to know more about Jesus. He even calls him a teacher. He even acknowledges who he is to some degree. And Jesus goes and says, let me tell you why you need me. Let me tell you why you need me. Let me tell you why you fit in the class of the people who need to be washed by the blood. Let me tell you. And he picks a story that he would know so well. And he says, you remember back when the people, they walked around, they got lost because they failed to ask for directions. And when they found out where they were going, they thought they couldn't conquer the people. So they stayed outside anyway for a while. He said, you remember back then, back in that day, he said, you had your people. Now, these are the same people that God brought manna from heaven, right? He brought this, this tasty morsel, and every day they were constantly supplied for. They had just 
beaten the Canaanites. They had just basically decimated them. They were moving forward, and they began to complain about God, about Moses, and about lunch. And what does the Bible say? It says that God caused fiery serpents to come up out of the ground. Remind me not to complain about what my wife cooks, okay? Said, raise these fiery serpents, they come out of the ground and they bite. They bite the people and the people die. Now, fiery in the sense is not probably the idea that they were snakes on fire, but rather the sense that when they got bitten, this inflamed pain that comes across when you get bitten and then they are destroyed by this venomous snake that just, you know, I've never been bitten, I never want to be bitten, but I've heard. And then they die. Jesus, do you not find it interesting? Do you not find it kind of fascinating? Maybe I'm just the only one. But the story of love was told in private the story of love was told to someone who needed to hear that they still fell into that category and it was shared using their past to show them what their future could be the story of love Nicodemus must have known the story. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He knew. I mean, when you talk about knowing the law of Moses, they knew this, right? They memorized this. And he knew of this story. And then Jesus, in his conversation with him, he says, Nicodemus, just as with Moses, as he raised the staff, the cross, whatever, with the snake, the bronze snake on it. And when people turned and they looked at it, they were healed. I don't know, but I found that fascinating. I found it interesting. But I don't find it unbelievable or unreal to think that God would do whatever it took to tell the story to a people in a way that they could understand. He's done it for you, hasn't he? I don't know how God got your attention. And honestly, I was so young when I got saved, I don't think I had a lot of time to commit too many sins and crimes. I was four and a half years old. What kind of thing can you do between the time you're born and four and a half year old? But God made it abundantly clear to me that I needed him. Even so, when I wanted to be baptized, my mom, my dad, didn't want my sisters and I to be baptized, my older sister, because he thought we just wanted to get in the swimming pool. So they set us in separate rooms, and they asked us, why do you want to be baptized? And my sister and I both answered the same. Jesus wants me to. So somehow, even God, in this little four-and-a-half-year-old's life, made the message clear enough that I wanted to do what he wanted me to do and that he loved me enough that he died for me. 
For God so loved the world. Let me jump back to that story about these old men. I went and I shared the gospel and the message of Jesus Christ, the Christmas message and the Easter message. And I tried to share with them how the two of those were combined in a God that created all the world, that he loved them just so much that he bought a present and it was in the form of a baby in a manger. And that is the God who loves the world. That's the God who loves me and you. And if God would take that story, and if he would be willing to take and share this message with Nicodemus in private, how in the world should we not share it with those in public? It must have been something. You know, of all the verses in the Bible, this one jumps out, doesn't it? I mean, it's like you rate those top list of verses that people come to know and understand. There's just something simplistic about the love of God for humanity. Maybe it's because we want to be loved. Maybe it's because we haven't felt loved. There's something about love that draws people to you. And Jesus said to Nicodemus that God loved the world. Now in that moment, that world was Nicodemus. In that moment, that world was him. In today's moment, the world is us. That message is spread, right? It's grown and grown and grown. And it never gets old. I was really, really, really impressed with last week's kids play. One of the lines that they mentioned I thought was quite interesting was you mean to tell me that God knew already that he would suffer on the cross, that he would be beaten, that he would be mocked, that he would be, and they listed several different things in their simple, complicated message. you remember that? They listed all these things and they said, and he was yet still willing to be born as a baby. That is love. That is the love that he shared with Nicodemus. When you think about John 3.16, you think about it being something that we share. We share with people across the world. In a lot of times, in a lot of places, we, we mention those words. But we almost, sometimes, we, we mention it as if it's for someone else. You know, we know him. We've accepted him. But in this case, I think, maybe one of the reasons... I was so concerned to make John 3.16 the central theme of a message is because I don't necessarily always feel worthy. I don't always necessarily feel that I deserve that love that came from the cross. I feel a lot like Nicodemus maybe. 
I come to this guy, I know him, I love him, I want to know more about him, but nevertheless, he knows my past, he knows my sin, he knows my history, and he still loves me. That's a, that's a, sometimes a hard thing to come to grasp with. He knows me, and he loves me. That is the message. I'm going to ask if our musicians will come. It's not a complicated one. It's not a super, I don't know. It's just a plain, simple message. It's a message that is a Christmas message. It's an Easter message. It's a New Year's message. It's a message of hope. And it's one that I hope that you all will take away with you. I'm going to ask you all if you'll stand with me. When I share the gospel with people, when I have the opportunity to preach, or when I'm sitting there in the pew, there's one thing that I always do. My wife, I don't know if it's a good idea to admit this in public or not, but when I hear a sermon preached, I always tell myself one thing. I want to know that whatever was shared, whatever was said, had a purpose and a reason. So I always say to myself, so what? Of all the words, if I'm sitting in the pew, I want to know, so what? What do you expect? What changes as a result of this? What do you expect of me? What do you want from me? What should I do? Because if what we share doesn't make a difference, then so what? So my call to action for you today is very simple. If you don't know this Jesus in a real and personal way, if you don't know that he loves you or you're concerned, I invite you to come and pray. If you do know and you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior and you do know that he loves you, I invite you to pray. As we approach the next year, we have the opportunity to take a message that was shared in private and to share it publicly with the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I am going to ask you to bow your heads with me. I am going to ask you to search your heart, and I am going to ask you to talk to God. Ask him today how you might better become a child of God. If you don't know him, it's quite simple. Just remember that he came for you, and all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm willing to accept the gift of eternal life that you gave. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you recorded in the Word a story that was very private, Lord, that you shared your love 
with someone who needed to be loved. God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you love me, that you love those around me. And God, we thank you that it is for the world that you came. Dear Jesus, would you touch your people today? God, would you touch each and every person here today? Lord, as they seek you, God, I ask that you would let them know that you walk with them, that you live in them, that they can invite you to walk with them, that you, they can invite you to live in them. And God, that your love is never failing. And God, that your mercy abounds, Lord, that you give grace and that you can give strength. And most importantly, you can give us a new hope. Lord, touch your people today. Lord, I ask that you'd help us. Lord, I ask that you would forgive us of our sins and that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, that you'd make us worthy to be called the children of God. Father, good. Touch your people today. Today is a great opportunity that if you have walked away from the Lord, for you to turn back to Him. It's as simple as saying, God, I turn and I look towards the cross. That snake that was hung on the cross, it was hung there as a reminder of the sin of the people, but when they turn, to and look towards their sin hung on that cross they were saved the same is true today if we turn our hearts and our minds to look upon Jesus who takes the sin of the world then no matter what the past was he does forgive and you can be saved depart this place today, God, I ask that you'd help us to leave with the story of love on our hearts and our minds. Go with your people and may your grace be upon us. May your favor be with us. May you grant us wisdom and guidance to live out the gift of the story of love in a way that we draw people to Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you.